And with the faithfulness of each one of you, you put this beautiful work of art together to start this Reclaim series. And it has been an incredible series as we've walked through these last hours of Jesus' life. And I feel, you know, we did say that prayer, Lord, pray that as we walk through these scriptures that we would really find ourselves there at that moment when Jesus was praying in the garden with his disciples. And then when Jesus was arrested and betrayed by the disciple Judas. And then when Jesus um, was abandoned by Peter at the trial. Each step along the way, all the way up to Jesus' crucifixion. And what we discovered is that when we, when we really study Jesus' life, is that Jesus was surrounded by all of these broken people and all of these broken stories. And yet what Jesus does to broken people and, and to broken stories is he reclaims them. He takes them, that brokenness and all, and he displays them right there next to his perfection. And what happens is this beautiful reclaiming, just like a piece of reclaimed furniture. Our lives become reclaimed. And the truth is that there is no amount of death or no, no lifelessness that Jesus cannot bring life out of. There's, there's no darkness that Jesus can't bring light into. And so that has been the story throughout this whole reclaimed series. And we've studied it in the lives of all the disciples, and uh, we have accepted and received the challenge. And now today, we are here at Celebration Sunday. We're celebrating together all of the things that God has done in and through us in the the past six weeks as a congregation, and there has been a lot. Uh, But we have one person that we wanted to uh, share her story of how God has reclaimed her life and reclaimed her story. And so uh, she is a really special person. We know that her story will be as impactful and, and, and transformative to you as it has been to us. But as you welcome her, I'd like you not just to welcome her with acclaim, but also to praise God with that acclaim. Just saying, thank you, God, that we have someone here who's sharing their testimony and sharing the goodness. So with that, I'd like to welcome up here, Lana. Lana, thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning, Highlands. Are you guys ready to dive into the strip scripture? Yes. Oh, come on. Are you ready? Yes. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So looking at Mark 15, 33 through 34. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli. Lema Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for a beautiful Sunday. I just pray that you will calm my spirit, that you will allow my voice to be heard, and that you will allow my testimony to touch the life of someone in our congregation today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. So the Reclaim series started out a little early for me. It was the Sunday before Ash Wednesday, and Pastor James told all of us that he'd like us to go out and find some wood and bring it in on Ash Wednesday. So true to form, that was a homework assignment for me, and I like to get A's. So I I called up my girlfriend. I said, we've got to go for a walk. We've got to find some wood. We've got to find the best piece of reclaimed wood. So we started out on our walk, which ended up taking about two hours. 
we were completely unsuccessful because we kept finding ordinary wood. Like, almost didn't even know if it was wood. I'm like, I think that's just like, they made that. That wasn't really wood. It was a stick. So at the end of our two-hour walk, she was frustrated with me. And, you know, I probably would have been too. But I'm like, wait. And down this little pathway, bottom of this little rough hill, I said, I see one. I see one. So this is my piece right here. This is a, a tree bark that I found. And it was actually not on the tree. I didn't have to, like, ruin it. Um, it, had a, <laughs> it had lived a life of its own already. And what resonated with me about the wood was the fact that, you know, it was, it was aged. It looked distressed. Um, it, was, it was almost breaking. It was very fragile but it looked like it had weathered a lot of storms. So here we come into Ash Wednesday, and I'll give you a little bit of history about my, my faith. So at four years old, I accepted Jesus into my life. I was raised in a family that was very involved in the church. I spent a lot of my life down at First Baptist Church, and at 12 years old, I was baptized spent a lot of time at church. We churched well. We churched on Wednesdays, and we churched on Sunday mornings. Um, my mom was the librarian of the church. We went to church on Sunday night because we didn't get enough Sunday morning. <laughs> we went to a lot of church. So in my adulthood, I married early, and I wanted to make sure that faith was genuine in our home, and the fact that we would be unified in our faith. And I married a Catholic man. So, true to form, I went through full conversion and became Catholic in my later 20s. So, worthy to note, um, was married for 23 years, and I have five wonderful children of one daughter and four boys. Thank goodness there was only one daughter. Whew. <laughs> she was a doozy. Um, <laughs> I love her. <laughs> so <laughs> we're at Ash Wednesday, and I have my 18-year-old and my 9- and 7-year-old, and my 18-year-old's my looking around, and he's like, Mom, like, your wood is different. <laughs> like, let me go take it in the car and we'll just put it in the trunk because they had extra wood here, like the regular wood. <laughs> and I'm like, no, buddy, it's like this perfect wood for me. It's like a little messed up, but it's got a story to tell. He's like, okay. So it was really an awesome evening for us because it took some of the traditions that he had been raised with. Uh, we celebrated Ash Wednesday quite many years in the Catholic Church. And then it brought in what is becoming the newness of our faith here at Highlands. And as we began to come up to put up our wood, he was like, oh, we're in trouble because they are nailing it. It is not going to hold up. Like, you can go up. I'll just wait down here. Um, but you know what? Amazingly enough, it, it held up. I watched in the video. It kind of moved around. I didn't realize that. So... When we came into the next Sunday, Pastor James says, you know, I want everyone to go into your garage, and I want you guys to find your boxes. 
you know those boxes that have all the fantastic memories and those things that take you down memory lane? And I was immediately angry. And I was reminded of pain, and I was reminded of loss. See, my, my suitcase is a little different. This is it, actually. It's a briefcase. Um, I think I started my grief briefcase probably around the age of 12. Um, see, my entire childhood was filled with abuse. We had the facade of a loving home involved in the church, but all I knew was abuse. So I started to put things away in there so that I could remember everything that had happened to me. And throughout the years, I thought, man, it can store a lot of stuff. So when I left um, Paso after high school, like two days after graduation, couldn't wait to get out of here, <laughs> packed up my briefcase, packed up all my things, and I went over to the valley. And that's where I quickly um, met a man and got married. Um, what I didn't realize is sometimes uh, we don't take a pause. We go with what we're used to. And I married into a marriage that started very early to show signs of abuse. And I weathered the storm for many years. I told myself I was raising a loving family, um, convinced myself that I was partly to blame. And it wasn't until three years ago that I made a decision to leave it all behind. And I took a drive down 101 from Hollister all the way back to Paso. Everything always comes full circle, right? <laughs> um, I spent a few months here by myself. I left my kids there. Um, decided that I had convinced myself that I wasn't the best mother, that they'd probably be better off with their dad. And then I suddenly started to think, you know, maybe, maybe I'm off on that. They might need me. So I went back and I got him, and I got him under duress. And I came back to Paso, and within a week, my now ex-husband had come here and found us and made so much of a showing here in Paso that he got a little time in county jail. <laughs> but thankfully, um, I had a police officer come up to me, and he said, you know what, um, I don't know, you might want to, take an opportunity, you got about six hours, to go back to your house and get what you can. So I went back, loaded up some trucks, and uh, went to, back to Hollister, and I had four hours. And um, I walked in and immediately thought of the kids. Like, let's get their things, let's get their blankets, let's get their toys, let's get the Xbox, um, and the PlayStation, <laughs> in all the games. Um, and then I started to look at things of value. And so we started taking the appliances and the TVs. And then people that were there helping me started taking things that they thought were important too. But, um, <laughs> right? We can't have enough electrical cords. 
<laughs> but, but anyways, I, I went out into my garage, and uh, two-car garage, and I looked in there, and it was my entire life. And there were a lot of those boxes that Pastor James talked about. There was the ones with the yearbooks, all my kids' baby clothes, all the pictures of my childhood. But I said, you know what? There is one suitcase, and it's a briefcase, and I need to go get it because that's my pain, and that is my truth, and that is what I carry with me because I like to feel the pain. I like the burden of it, right? I mean, that was 40 years in the making. So off we came back to Paso, and um, spent a few years in transition. And 10 months ago, um, I was broken. And I had a lifelong friend, my girlfriend. And she said to me, you need to go to church. And I was like, oh, no. Like, nice try. (laughs) And she kept on me. She kept saying, you know what? You need to go. You need to go. No, no, no. Finally, one Sunday, I, I said, okay, I'm going to go. Like, I don't want to hear you anymore. Got the message. And I got in my car, and I, I came down. I, I didn't get dressed for church because I kind of wanted to hide. So I put the hoodie on, and I drove up. And true to Highland form, there is a spot right in the front row for me. <laughs> Hot mess, Welcome. <laughs> Oh, you guys know the spot, right? Okay. <laughs> so I came in crying. I mean, I was like, I've been fighting the devil's work with me for quite a few years. I mean, I'd sinned a lot and felt a lot. So I'm crying when I get out of the car, and I'm crying when I come in. And I'm crying when I sit down in my spot right here. Oh, how interesting. It's still open for me right now. <laughs> still. <laughs> um, So I cried through all the happy songs, the announcements. I cried through the entire sermon. And thought I was going to get a break, but no. Had to play a sad song when we were walking out the door. (laughs) One with feeling. Um, (laughs) And Pastor Israel had been visiting us that week. And so, you know, it's interesting as, as I was sitting there crying, I was listening to him preach from this book. It's a book that I had spent many years with, memorized stuff in there, but it never made a lot of sense. And that day, like, it was speaking to me. It was in this language that I completely understood. How interesting that it made total sense. So I ended up leaving, and Israel spotted me. It's kind of hard not to. I'm like, the mascara. <laughs> he says, I think I need to pray with you. So he prays with me, and then he says, you know what, I'm going to introduce you to Pastor Katie. And then I was like, whoa. It's a girl. (laughs) Had never met a woman pastor before. I was like, whoo. Okay, so I began to, uh, you know, just come on a regular basis, ultimately. And as I started to come more frequently, you know, you you have the the meet and greet period. And initially it was like, oh, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Okay, check that off the bulletin. And then it got a little bit different because one Sunday I turned around to this gentleman who had been behind me like most of the Sundays and the greeting was a little bit different. I introduced myself. He introduced himself. And it felt different. So as we walked out, he says to me, you know, you're looking better this Sunday. (laughs) Rude. (laughs) 
But um, he says, I, I can tell you're going through something. And I said, really? Um, and he says, you know, so am I. And, he, and I, I said, you know, it's, it's a rough summer. I said, you know, I got these three boys, and we don't have a home right now. So we're in this time of, you know, transition, and we're looking, and we're trying to be faithful, but it's hard. And he says, you know, um, I'm going to transition too. Uh, my wife recently passed away, and, um, you know, it's lonely. Life's different. I have to make decisions on, on housing. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm going to give you my number. I said, we should get together, like get the families together. I could bring the boys over. We could fill your house with a lot of laughter and joy and noise. And I could cook you dinner or bring you dinner. And, um, you know, we could break bread together because that was something that had been highly encouraged. So I go through my week. The phone doesn't ring. I'm feeling a little uncomfortable that I stepped out of my box and gave my number. And um, I go up. Um, to a, a soccer meeting for my son's soccer team. And I'm sitting there, and there's a lot of different women there, and they start talking about needs for volunteer. And this girl, a little bit younger than me, she says, oh, you know what? We totally, I, I think I know someone who can help. It's my dad. He's been in soccer for years. And she says, um, you know, he, we, we're trying to get him back out into the community because he's been mourning the loss of my mother. Well, <laughs> so I wait a minute and I look over to her and I said, is your dad Bob? And she looks at me and she goes, you're the girl. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So immediately I was like, if Bob is volunteering, I am volunteering. We shall not volunteer alone. <laughs> and that is the start of my soccer referee um, career. Bob got to uh, take on the assistant coach lead, um, you know, so it was, it was great. We had a, a fantastic time together, and within the next two weeks, I, I saw Bob at church, and he invited my family over with his family, and we had a wonderful barbecue, and we broke bread together, um, and it was so unique. See, Bob is... Um, He's an older man. He, he has so much, so many stories to tell, and, and he's so faithful, and he's so willing to share. And, you know, I just, I, I admire him in so many ways. And there's my 18-year-old son talking to him about Stanford, and, you know, the kids are playing, and, you know, I'm enjoying conversations with his daughter. So I found that I started having these relationships at church. They were healthy started reading the Bible, got one with my own name on it. <laughs> I started to find that Sunday wasn't feeding me enough, so I thought I needed to come on Tuesday nights, because that's another night that we have a fantastic women's ministry. If you haven't come, I highly encourage you to come. It's pretty cool there. Um, outside of great food, uh, you get fed a lot of scripture, and you get an opportunity to talk about things with other women, share some stories, um, and just dive into the word. Super amazing. But what I found is that I immediately started making relationships with sisters in Christ. How powerful is that? I started to call on these women. 
It's just really another additional blessing. I kept praying to God, though. I kept saying, you know, I want my children to feel him. I want my kids to be impacted. I want them to feel the difference. I want them to know this. And, um, and I started to pray, too. I started to say to God, you know, I have always wanted to walk in my life with someone. And I am so thankful that I'm walking with you, God. But I want to live a life with a man that I can love, that will love me, you know, and, and, and help me find this person. So fast forward to the beginning of the Reclaim series, and my 18-year-old says, Mom, I want to go to camp. I want to go to winter camp. And I said, great, Hume Lake. He goes, nope, wrong church. I said, oh, where are we going? Sugar Pine, he says. I said, okay, Christian Life Center, that's good. Um, so here goes my 18-year-old off to summer, or went off to winter camp. He's never seen snow. He comes back, and the stories are exciting, and the snow was cold, and <laughs> he says to me, he goes, Mom, you know those people that say, like, God talks to them, that they felt him? He's like, you know those, I don't know. He goes, you're not going to believe what happened to me in the chapel. He's like, I was broken, and I was down at the front, and I felt his hand on my shoulder. <laughs> and I received him into my, my heart, into my, into my life. And I thought, how great thou art. How amazing. It's like that phone. It's like the news flash. It's amazing. <laughs> See? <laughs> Um, and then, you know, I just continue to develop relationships with families that are healthy and families that, you know, their stories are, are just as broken as mine. But when we come together, it's, it's amazing what can happen. I had my little guys come back from Sunday school and they said, Mom, we can't wait to die. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> Careful what happens when you pick them up from down there. And they're like, Mom, it's amazing. God has, you know, this life. It's how it was supposed to be. I'm going to live with him in my life, and it's going to, I'm going to go to the place that he intended for us. I'm going to have the body that was intended to be mine. I'm going to get to pick the perfect age. <laughs> so, ultimately, what, what I was fortunate enough to be blessed with is throughout building all of these friendships, friendships with Bob's family and friendships with women that I have met through um, Bible study and, and soccer. I was able to meet an individual that I began to have a healthy relationship with and I set a boundary. There were rules. And, you know, I went through dating in a more Christian, um, respectful manner. The questions are different. The time we spent is different. And I said to him, if you want to spend time with me, there's two places you can find me. You can find me right here. You can find me at the soccer field. And he began to spend time with, with Bob's family and, and with women from church and in these different environments. And, uh, over, um, Christmas, he, he asked if I would 
if I would marry him? And I said, yes. I said, I will walk a life with you, and we will serve. And we will have God at the, the head of our home. So on March 26th, two weeks ago, came to the 11 o'clock service, filled two pews, and two nights before that, my friend Bob said to my fiancé, Richard, what would you like to see you're wearing on Sunday? Richard said, a white dress. I'm all, oh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> Don't have white. Um, we've got red, we've got cream. <laughs> and Bob looks at me and he says, you know what? Come by the house tomorrow. I have something I want to show you. I have a white dress. So I went on Saturday morning and Bob brings out his bride's dress from over 40 years ago. <laughs> and you know what happened? The dress fit. Of course, the dress fit. <laughs> so I walked down this path after the 11 o'clock service on March 26th, and I was escorted by my 18-year-old son who prayed with me. I walked down the path to celebrate with the families who started as friends that I spend my life with, with a pastor that I have developed a relationship with, and as God is my witness, I entered a covenant of marriage with my new husband, and I am so thankful. So, pray for my son today. He leaves for Mexico for his first missions trip. <laughs> and... Um, I go back to the verse, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And I think about it, how I misunderstood the verse for so many years. It was my cry, right? What I didn't understand is that Jesus took all of that. And in his moment of feeling all the sin, my sins, those who have sinned against me, he cried out to his father, who had turned his back on him so that he could walk a life with me and you and be there always. So I look at the back wall now, and I look at it with a completely different perspective. How beautiful this is. The pieces that have their own stories and relationships that come together, and when we share, what amazing stories and testimonies come from that. I just thank you for the opportunity to share mine with you today. Amen. So the, um, the, the piece of wood that I found was, is this one, of course, <laughs> this big one here. And uh, I found it on the same path where you got married, in the same spot. There's a lot of other pieces that, um, that represent the bro brokenness, and um, there's no question about it. The pain and the brokenness is real. There is real darkness in this world. There is, there is not God's will. Uh, the abuse that people experience, the pain that people experience, what you have experienced in your life is not God's will. But the beautiful thing is uh, that God takes those moments, even of the darkest moments of your life, and he can reclaim that. 
uh, he can find you and he can find you wherever you go. Uh, and he's always there. There's not times when he's not there. There's not times when he's more there than other times. He is always, always there. And God will place his hand on your shoulder. And it may, may be different for you. And not everybody experiences it in the same way. But there will be an opportunity for you to say yes. And the crazy thing is, I found that I need to continue saying yes all the time. <laughs> Someone said to me, uh, are you born again? And I said, every day. <laughs> if I'm born again every day, I'm in trouble. To recognize the goodness of Jesus in our life. Now, the question is, there are some people who, um, we're, we're singing this beautiful song on Easter, Worthy is Your Name. I'm so excited to sing that song. Uh, because when you encounter Jesus and, and you see all that he has done in the life of just our church here, you recognize how worthy Jesus is, how perfect he is, how much he loves us. A love that's really beyond, beyond comp- comprehension. Uh, you need the Holy Spirit to even have just a glimpse of the breadth and depth and height and length of God's love for us. And there are some people who can counter that, and they, they don't feel that they are worthy. And one of my favorite scriptures is Isaiah 43. And the, the words of scripture are beautiful because it's written to someone named uh, Jacob. And he has had a rough life, Jacob. And it says, uh, blessed are you, Jacob. Uh, blessed are you, the God who created you, O Jacob. Now, by the way, the, the key here is the name Jacob means usurper. Boy, I can identify with Jacob. Later in Jacob's life, he wrestled with God, and God gave him the name Israel, which means one who wrestles with God. And the scripture goes on to say, Blessed are you, O Jacob, for I have created you. And blessed are you, O Israel, for I have formed you. I have shaped you. I have reclaimed you. I have brought you back to life. And the scripture goes on to say, you will not walk, if you, you will walk through fire and you will not be burned. You will walk through water and you will, you, you, it shall not overcome you. I have exchanged entire nations just for you. And the reason that the scripture says this, the reason that God says that he did this is simple. And it's one of my favorite verses. And it's this, because I love you. And when I read that, I just thought, that's it. Because I love you. Jesus' whole purpose in this, his life was to love you. And there are so many people who receive that, and, and we're experiencing the gift of being able to express that love through the missions that we're giving to later, in the, later after the service today, our Life Water missions. Every year we give five, ten thousand $10,000 checks. By now, Highlands has probably given fifty dollars or $80,000 to Life Water and built wells and, and orphanages and, and relief programs for people in different countries. Earlier this week, Celebration Sunday, I just think about the goodness. Do you know that I got to pray in here with 25, no, 27, sorry. There was one that jumped on last minute. 27 people that went to Guatemala on a mission trip and with their parents who were just worried sick. (laughs) 
And, and then earlier in the week on Tuesday, we had a volunteer meeting with all the volunteers and their kids and families over at the Mid-State Fairgrounds just to say thank you to the volunteers. We had 135 people come to that, that meeting. And the reason why is because we know, and this is the value that we set out. We said, we went to the elder board and we said, where do you want to have Easter? We could have lots of small services here at Highlands, and, or, you know, a lot easier, or we could have it at the Mid-State Fair. And the elders of this church said, we want to go big or go home. <laughs> but then we set a value and we said, what we want for this Easter service is for it to be personal. There may be 3,000 people there on Easter Sunday, but we want everybody to have a personal experience where there's someone like Lana who has a person next to them that would reach out a hand and welcome them and care about them and notice that they're going through something and just have the, have the wisdom to listen, not necessarily talk. It's better to listen sometimes. And just be willing to listen to them and welcome them. And then this is the best part. When the person turns to you and says, what's your name? There's, there's so much beauty in asking that. And, and this is the beauty of the worthy. Sorry, Lanny, you got me going. <laughs> that, that God, it's not just God's name who is worthy. Because of Jesus Christ, it's your name that's worthy. And that's the hardest thing to, for some people to register. And so if you are someone who has felt through the course of your life or even through the course, I mean, you got married two weeks ago. You have a lot to share <laughs> just two weeks ago during the Reclaimed series. It's incredible. But if you are someone, and it's hard for you, and you don't have to do this, uh, we would like you to have an opportunity to proclaim that you have been reclaimed, that you experienced God rescuing your story, that you felt God's hand in your life. And so as I walk to the table, I, I would just like you to say just your first name and just to say it out loud if you feel comfortable doing that, if you feel that you, you sense that God has reclaimed you. I know, it's awkward. We don't do this every Sunday. And hear your name, hear, hear your name being said. It's a scary thing. What? Yep. Jeannie. Linda. Marlene. James. Adam. Debbie. This is what the scripture of Isaiah says. Blessed are you, O Jacob, for I have created you. Blessed are you, O Israel, for I have formed you. For I have called you by name. For I have called you by your name. Jesus stood with his disciples on that last day. And he, the day before he was crucified, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat and receive all of the goodness. Eat it. 
And then after the supper, he said, this is my blood poured out for the remission of your sins. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim my saving death until I shall return again. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you bless this food, that bless it to our bodies as we receive your love in our life. Help us to have an overflow as we experience the goodness of your love. And we pray the prayer that you taught your disciples saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.